Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Hope is the end result of an equation that begins with suffering. And so, unfortunately, the avoidance of suffering, the avoidance of pain, you know, we talk about running, denying, avoiding these painful experiences, that might give you a, a semblance of, of peace or hope in your life, but it's not the true hope that's the gift of, of walking through these painful experiences and allowing them to change you and allowing hope to be birthed in your life. That's the most... That's the greatest treasure that we can ever attain. And I don't think we can keep it from affecting the people around us. People see us and they want to know, how is it that your world's burning down and yet you're still filled with hope? Many people can recall the exact moment their lives changed forever. The horrific accident, the miscarriage, the day someone walked out, the moment their innocence was taken. What happened was wrong and it hurt, but it doesn't have to define their lives forever. Jenny and Evan Owens join us today. They are the founders of Reboot Recovery. They're also the authors of a new book, Healing what's hidden practical steps to overcoming trauma they say that there is a way to overcome trauma and embrace a brighter future and today on connections they're going to share with us how to do exactly that husband and wife duo Jenny and Evan Owens are with us today. They have a great looking new book out. It actually just came out. It's called Healing What's Hidden. And now in this book, you talk about healing from trauma. This is something that the two of you are not new to. You've been helping people discover healing from trauma through your organization called Reboot Recovery. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, At Reboot, our mission is to help people overcome trauma And we started working with the military based on my job as an occupational therapist, working with active duty soldiers coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, um, quickly realized that there were invisible wounds that needed to be addressed as well as the physical. But we also help first responders. And in 2020 and 2021, we worked on and released a curriculum that helps everyday people who've experienced trauma of any sort to overcome it. Um, We meet in small groups uh, for 12 weeks. The course is peer-led, which is different than a lot of other interventions, and that um, it's those everyday people who've walked through trauma, who've lived through it, learned from it, and are leading others out of it who are the subject matter experts. And also the curriculum is faith-based and implements Christian principles. Thanks. Why did you decide like Christian principles so important as part of the curriculum? Well, that just really was from um, our hearts, um, recognizing that trauma wounds the soul, not just the body and mind. And as Christians ourselves, um, we felt that the ultimate goal would be to introduce the hurting with the healer. And there's there's so much that we can do as individuals and as the church, but um, we felt like there's there's a you know there's truths that only um, biblical principles and, and the Lord can can impart to people about their soul and about healing and about their purpose here in life. And so when I think trauma happens, it really, it causes us to ask big questions about God and faith and why am I here and why did this happen? And so it just seemed natural that that's where our conversation would go. It's really hard for, especially people that have, well, maybe people that have grown up in the church and also outside and are kind of agnostic or whatever. Like you hear about this loving God and creator, right? But then you experience something traumatic. It's pretty hard to believe in that moment in a loving and caring God for a lot of people, isn't it? Right. And I think that's the challenge, right? Is recognizing that God's an ally and not an enemy is really, really challenging. I think people kind of picture if God is real, if he is who you claim he is, then why do bad things happen? And I think that in essence, though, is the origin of of our story and of the book, Healing What's Hidden, is 
I, I believe that trauma catalyzes a conversation about faith because just the premise of that question indicates that we believe in some higher power, some some intelligent life force that says, why is this happening? That's kind of an ethereal, spiritual question in and of its nature. And I think if we don't explore those questions, sometimes we miss out on the healing by believing that it's all just mental and physical, which there definitely is those elements, but we miss out on them. Um, and I think that's really a big part of it is recognizing that God weeps when we weep by looking at the story of, of Jesus, right? We look at these stories of compassion and empathy um, and recognize that that trauma is the result of living in a broken world. And that's really what trauma is at its core. It's our personal intersection with the brokenness of the world. Oh, I was just going to ask you to tell me how you would define trauma. It's so perfect. Um, also in Hebrews, like that was making me think, I can't remember the specific verse, so this is going to be the Mike Tom paraphrase, but um, something along the lines in Hebrews, it says, if Jesus, the son of God, couldn't escape a traumatic experience, then who are we to think that we would escape right. it too, right. right? And he's, like you said, Evan, he's with us through that journey, though, and shares in that pain with us. Yeah, And I think it's just a mark of our spiritual nature that there's part of us that recognizes that this isn't the way it was supposed to be. There's a part of us that that rails against the injustice of loss and of abuse and pain. And um, I think that's a place to start, as Evan said, mm-hmm. just even acknowledging, like, why do we think some things are good and some things are bad? There's a part of us that's built to um, have lived in the garden at, or, you know, that's, that's, that's the part of us, the core of us, but that these things have all changed since evil entered the world. And we're, we're, we're trying to help people get back to that restoration of a relationship with the Lord and the way that, again, that was supposed to be. And I believe that the Bible lays out a path for people to do that and to find healing and to be reconciled and be restored. And so if, if trauma is your personal intersection with the brokenness of the world, then recovery is your personal intersection with redemptive heart of God. And we've seen that beautiful story play out in so many lives that we just couldn't help but share it. Uh, the book Healing What's Hidden, Practical Steps to Overcoming Trauma, it just came out the end of September of this year. Um, part of the things that one of the things you talk about in the book is it's important to identify your source of trauma. And a lot of people kind of they might minimize it, right? Like, well, well, this happened to me, but, you know, that's life and uh, it continues to affect them. Though, why is it so important to identify that source and face it? Well, I think like any illness, right? I mean, how can we treat something that we're not sure what it is that we're treating, right? I mean, we have to be able to identify what are some of the root problems. I think a lot of times we overlook the hidden thing that is actually fueling our response to trauma. So, you know, we might say, well, I just feel really angry when really what we feel is hurt or abandoned or rejected or neglected. You know, we might say we feel sad when really we feel ashamed or full of regret or whatever it may be. And so I think this book and some of the work that we've done really is about identifying some, what are those spiritual root issues? What are some of those root things that a lot of times fuel or, or create the fruit things, if you will, that manifest in our lives as far as negative symptoms. And I'm afraid that we spend so much time right now in our lives and other lives trying to manage fruit And it's exhausting trying to manage fruit if we don't first deal with the root. It just gets really tiring. But worst of all, we end up still hurting and discouraged. And that's not where I believe we want to end up. If if you want to talk about somebody that's experienced trauma, we don't have enough time on the show to talk about mine. And our listeners know uh, I've been going to therapy the last couple of years. 
I thought I struggled with anger quite a bit. Really interesting to get to the root of it, though. And what I'm really dealing with is fear in a lot of situations when I get angry. And that opens up a whole new understanding of who I am even, right? I used to think like, oh, I'm just this angry, bitter person. No, I've experienced some things and I've become afraid as a result of that. Right, Mm -hmm. right. No, that's exactly right. And I think that, you know, when people find themselves in those situations by digging down into those deeper roots, they, they, they receive a blessing, I believe, of a different level of healing, right? I mean, there's a, there's a different level of freedom and healing that's so much more joy filled and so much more purpose filled. Um, And that's, I believe God's promise is that there can be a recycling effect. There can be, there can be purpose found in that pain. There can be a redemptive, a recycling nature to it where my pain now becomes someone else's tool to use. And I believe that's God's promise and i think that's the the healing that you're doing and others it sounds like are doing as well so that's awesome yeah and and we point this out in the book that healing doesn't necessarily equal the removal of symptoms always but it is as evan said allowing your scars to tell a story of all that you've overcome and all that god's done in your life and accepting the fact that that the road might have ups and downs the symptoms may ebb and flow based on a lot of different factors but still being able to live an abundant life and a joy-filled life in spite of that that's that's the wounded healer that's that's christ in us and that's what's so beautiful about walking with people through trauma and seeing them overcome it yeah evan you talk about uh you share your own stories of falling apart can you tell us a little bit about that and how you found strength in the midst of that. Yeah, no, I, I just think that, um, you know, there's a lot of books. You go to the business book section. I don't know if there's business people listening, but every book is about how to climb the ladder. Every bi- business book is about how to be your best self and how to achieve your wildest dreams. But when you look at all those books, there's no books that talk about how to climb back down if you get stuck at the top if you feel alone all of a sudden. And in my story, I was able to grow and develop, become a CEO of a very fast growing technology company. And um, while I was in that role, I found myself um, having to do layoffs. I found myself really at the lowest level of personal security and personal self-esteem that I've ever had. And I really felt stranded at the top. I felt like here I was with all this reputation and all these little idols that I created for myself. And now there was no way to climb back down safely. And um, for me, it was, it was really a, um, I know people might laugh and say like, Oh, I'd die to have that kind of trauma. You know, I would, I'd give anything. That's like, that's like nice trauma. But at the time uh, it didn't feel like it to me. And it it definitely led to a very dark period where I felt like Icarus. I felt like I had flown too high with borrowed wings. And now I was being discovered for who I truly was and who I would always be, which is someone who could not lead people, someone who couldn't trust their own instincts, someone who couldn't trust, couldn't be trusted with the the funds or the money of other people. And all those messages about identity really began to attack me and I began to feel worthless. And I think we even have a chapter in the book called um, Knowing You're Worthy Even When You're Made to Feel Worthless is one of the chapters in the book. And that one really came from my heart. Interesting, too. You mentioned like a nice trauma, but trauma is trauma, right? Often we'll say that to ourselves. Well, what I faced wasn't as bad as what Joe down the street faced, right? And so I have no I have no right to feel this way. I kind of need to snap out of it. But yeah, trauma is trauma. And Jenny, you mentioned helping soldiers with traumatic brain injuries coming back from war. How's that kind of shaped how you treat trauma and what you've learned from that? 
Well, it, it was just so evident to me that not only were we addressing brain injuries, but it was almost 100% of the time these brain injuries were occurring in the midst of, of a traumatic experience, someone trying to kill you, or you've lost a, a, a comrade, a loved one, or um, you've lost an ability that, again, we talk about identity, they come back and, and they're no longer the go-to soldier who was able to do all the tasks immediately and, and with great expertise. And so um, those two things, the trauma and the TBI really went hand in hand and the symptoms are very similar. And I think that's important for a lot of people to understand who have anyone who's had military experience to recognize the impacts of trauma. And um, we're still walking with a lot of those soldiers who we knew from 10 years ago. And we've seen a lot of great improvement as I think they began to recognize, like, I'm not broken, I'm wounded, but wounds can heal. And that's a message that we, we begin the book with. But unfortunately, in the military, that is a message that's communicated is you're broke down and you're of no use. So you're feeling discarded, as Evan was mentioning, un un unworthy. Um, and so it's been a, it's been an important journey for us to help those soldiers to reclaim their identity and their worth in the world and help them transition. Yeah, it's awesome. So I, I like the title of the book, Healing What's Hidden, because these wounds are so hidden from everybody else, though, right? And so you can be walking around absolutely. <clears throat> wounded and feeling at the end of your rope and nobody no they're looking at you and like what's wrong with this dude like he's fine needs to or she's fine needs to get it together right but we don't know the wounds that people have deep down inside that they've faced perhaps for decades yeah i really appreciate you saying that we really labored over what to title the book uh it was one of the harder honestly i say this truthfully it was harder to name the book than it was to name our own children um and i think that for us, you know, one of the other working titles at one point was um, a good book for the worst day of your life. And, um, you know, and I think about whoever is buying this book, they might think they don't need it today. But at some point, they or someone they love dearly will have a worst day of their life. And the thing about it is, is that I hope that as people of faith, that we are not people who just say, like, have you talked to someone about that yet? Or, or, hey, go talk to pastor such and such. I hope that we're able to be bridge people who can say, you know what? I don't know a lot, but I have love and I have a few tools and I can lay my life down so you can get from where you're at today to where I know you want to be. And um, that's what we're hoping for this book. We tried to write a book that was super practical, very approachable. It's not theoretical, nor is it clinical in nature. It's It's for the everyday person, just like we are. And um, and I think that differentiates it from a lot of other books that are written by people who are friends of ours who are, you know, uh, psychiatric experts, experts, right, or who are psychologists. Uh, and not, not that there's anything wrong with those, but a lot of times it's a little out of the reach of the average person to be able to sort of use. And we wanted to make it um, so that a 11th grader in high school can read it and use it to help save their friend's life. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting piece of trauma, especially once we begin to move forward and find healing. I've been moving forward for uh, 16 years now, uh, but guilt and shame <laughs> still pops up a lot of the time, especially when I consider how I acted and treated other people. And I know others probably deal with that feeling of guilt and shame as well uh, from our past. So how do we get over that and move forward in the healing journey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I wish somebody would tell us. That'd be good to put the book. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I think that for us, we, we actually call them the triplets. Um, and the triplets are, are a pack that run together, which is guilt, shame, and regret. 
and those three things typically like to run in a, a pack. And, and the first way is that we diagnose the type of guilt we're experiencing. Are we experiencing false guilt or are we experiencing guilt that is known as conviction? And I think that there are times when that guilt is a gift from God, right? Called conviction to help us from putting our hand on the hot stove. I'm convicted that when I do that, my hand hurts. I don't want to do that anymore. That's godly guilt, right? Godly sorrow leads to repentance, First Corinthians says, which leads into salvation, right? But then we read about this false guilt and false guilt uh, leads to death. The next part of that verse, sorrow of the world, it says leads to death. And when we think about that, um, that's what we find so often is if we look at our guilt, and we say, what is the fruit of this guilt? Is this guilt helping to make me more like Jesus? Or is it leaving me trapped in condemnation, which only leads to shame? See, that's what happens when guilt is misused as a tool. When we, when we don't, when we're experiencing false guilt, when it becomes full grown, it turns into shame. It morphs into shame. And I think that's what we challenge people to do in the book is to, to really put their guilt on trial and to really look at the facts of the case and be able to diagnose or, or dissect the accusations against them. And a lot of times what they'll find is, um, and this is a long answer, but even as their peers say, you're not guilty, you didn't do anything wrong, you didn't do anything wrong. If they're still saying, but I feel this, then they know they're trapped in false guilt. When all the evidence points towards you didn't do anything wrong, and yet you're still accusing yourself. That's when you know you fall for a trap of the enemy, a, a courtroom trick, if you will, of the enemy. And there's no way out because there's no prescribed punishment that's sufficient because it isn't a real offense, right? Or a, a real um, action, right? So right. you didn't do anything wrong. There's no way to you know when you're when you you're served it. your punishment, right? Right. Yeah, I see a lot of people, uh, myself included, again, like trying to pay penance forever yeah. and ever, right? Yeah. And it, they feel like it's never good enough. It's well, you're right. It's not good enough because you don't need to. So, um, so how do like that? How do we take our trauma then, and instead of letting it destroy us, how do we turn it into something good? And how do we allow it to serve a purpose of good then? Well, as Evan talked to a little bit earlier, we believe in this process of of recycling the world and experiences and, and just the evil that we've all walked across has given us some trash. But we believe that God is one of the greatest pickers. He can search through and find worth and things that, that can be upcycled and in that amidst of that trash, not only for your benefit, but for the benefits of others. And that's a huge part of reboot is the power of a story and and each person encouraging someone else from the place that they're in. I mean, you, you don't always want to hear it from an expert or someone like us who who haven't walked that valley. But when you've heard it from someone who's walked that valley, it's just so much more meaningful and it and draws you to a place of hope. And we talk, we end the book on hope. Um, a lot of people in the world today are starved for hope. They're, they're searching for hope in maybe all the wrong places. Um, but, but we believe that, that Paul talks about how suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. And so hope is the end result of an equation that begins with suffering. And so unfortunately, the avoidance of suffering, the avoidance of pain, you know, we talk about running, denying, avoiding these painful experiences that might give you a, a semblance of, of peace or hope in your life, but it's not the true hope that's the gift of, of walking through these painful experiences and allowing them to change you and allowing hope to be birthed in your life. That's the most that's the greatest treasure that we can ever attain. And I don't think we can keep it from affecting the people around us. People see us and they want to know, how is it that your world's burning down and yet you're still filled with hope? Um, and so we love telling those stories. We've got a few of those in the book. 
Um, but we encourage people to get in, involved with Reboot Recovery and allow that community group aspect to draw, draw the hope out of them in their own life. Because reading this book is great, but reading it in the context of a supportive community of believers is going to be even more impactful. I really like that phrase, hope is an equation that begins with suffering. I just wrote it down. I'm keeping that. So I might use it <laughs> in a sermon. Thank you. <laughs> uh, how do we find out about uh, Reboot? Tell us about that really quickly. Sure, you can visit our website at rebootrecovery.com. Um, we have t- a tab for joining a course and then a tab for leading a course. Again, these courses are led by everyday people. We do provide training and ongoing coaching from our headquarters because we want you to feel like you're supported. And we know you're walking out into enemy territory and it's it's going to be challenging, but we do believe that everybody has a role to play in helping their friends, neighbors, loved ones to heal. So we'd love for you to connect with us there. Um, we even have courses that are that meet virtually over Zoom if there's not one in your area. I know Canada is an area that we haven't expanded too much yet, but we would love to. So take us up on that. If you feel called to potentially bring it to your community, we'd love to talk to you about that. Um, and you can also follow us on social media at Reboot Recovery. Nice. And I assume maybe we can find Healing What's Hidden uh, when we head to the Reboot website. Any other, yeah. Anywhere else that we should go? Yep, there if, there's a hover over for now that pops up, but there's also a website that's healingwhatshidden.com and you can learn more about Evan and I there. Um, you can learn, you can purchase it at anywhere books are sold online right now. And um, I think we're going to also be offering for a limited time. If you do purchase the book, you go to healingwhatshidden.com and then you fill out a little form after that and you can get a free journal. That's the Healing What's Hidden journal. And it's just an awesome accompaniment to the book because throughout the book, every three pages or so, there's a journal reflection question and we'd love for you to pair that with it. So visit healingwhatshidden.com to claim that if you do purchase. Over your years of helping people find healing from their own trauma, what have you learned about your trauma? Well, my trauma is another whole story. I've had um, several miscarriages and that's kind of Mm. been my walk. Um, There was a song though that ran through my head one of the times I was hospitalized and kind of going through this. And Evan was actually gone. He was teaching a reboot leadership retreat a few states away. And this so happened that I was kind of on my own and having that experience. But the song says, I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. Um, I guess just recognizing that I can learn through any experience, even no matter how hard it is. And I try to hold those hands open to to let go of the things I can't control, but to receive whatever it is that God has for me. Um, and so I encourage any of you who have walked through miscarriages or, or loss or other trauma um, to, to take that posture because you will receive things that you never dreamt you would, ex- would receive. And I believe part of that is that hope that I was talking about earlier. Heartedly agree. Thank you so much, Jenny and Evan Owens. Make sure to check it out. Healing What's Hidden and uh, Reboot Recovery as well. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you for having us. It's been an honor. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again or to any of the other conversations that we've had here on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else to get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.